Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. It's the general meeting special. We were uh, all quite enthused and, and pleased, I think, to have a positive meeting at the Philharmonic Hall last night. Um, Farhad Mashiri stole the show. And so too did Joe Anderson, a bit of a surprise cameo, but nevertheless some encouraging words. So we're gathered to reflect on that, to ponder what was said, what wasn't said to some degree. And it's me, Greg O'Keefe, Phil Kirkbride, Gavin Buckland is back with a vengeance, and Tony Scott. Um, Gav, what was your overall kind of feeling about the general meeting? Positive? Oh yes, yes. I was expecting it to be positive, you know, considering some of the, you know, Fab uh, coming in, and you know the talk around new new stadium and um, money being available for transfers, all that type of stuff we've spoken about, so you know, in the last twelve months, so you know. It would have been surprising if it wasn't positive. So overall, it was uh, generally, um, you know, I, I really thought it was it was, uh, it was good. So were you um, were you maybe expecting to hear more about specifically about the Bramley Moor? It, it's a tough one, isn't it? Obviously, because it's not it's not stamped, is it? It's not officially done. So obviously, they can only say so much. Saying that, the more they, they did. Categorically, they did say that was the number one destination and things were going in that way. So I can see where they were coming from. They can't exactly say, yes, it's official. This is our site and this is what we're going for. But in a nutshell, they did. For me, for a generation of supporters round about my age, I've never I've never looked to the future so much regarding to the state we're in right now. Yeah, this is me. I haven't seen Everton win a trophy for 21 years. We've forever been in debt, selling our best players every other season. Commercially, we've lacked behind for years in bringing transfers in, etc. Even regards to the stadium. Now, you look at what's happened over the last 12 months. Well, it's not even 12 months in far off my year. coming as it's February. And now it's just, it's on another scale what we're looking for. Commercially, there was record deals. Robert Elston was talking about. Obviously, the waterfront stadium, transfers coming in. Most of the debt's being cleared. It's never looked so bright regarding to the future of Everton Football Club. But where we've come from, where we've come far so far in the last twelve months has been brilliant, and long may it continue. Phil, very rare thing at an Everton general meeting, certainly in my experience of covering them. Mm. Rounds of applause are plenty. Yeah. Two alone for the majority investor. Mm. And he got a laugh. He got a laugh, and he got a well well deserved laugh when he said he was getting seven pints of ale for him on the train. <laughs> he doesn't even drink lager. He said he didn't. He didn't specify what happened to those 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 beers though. After he said he didn't drink beer, so uh, like like him to follow up that one up. But um, no, it was um, it was a world away, wasn't it, from the one of twenty fifteen, the last one we had, where you had Robert Elston stood up on stage and elsewhere 
at home on Twitter, Johansson, you know, kickstarting a slanging match with each other and 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 the and the and the downfall and the evaporation of Walton Hall Park. So fast forward, thirteen months, and it's night and day, really, isn't it? Um, I think, you know, obviously Evan, obviously Bill Kenwright, all but said Bramley Mordock. He didn't use the phrase. Nobody used the phrase to the on the night. You know. But the fact that they were giving the message and, and dropping the strongest hint yet, that, that is their preference was encouraging. We obviously know that they'd looked at it. That wasn't that was obviously in the public domain. But the fact that they that they were willing to say, look, yeah, we want it as well, was encouraging. What I found really reassuring was when one of the shareholders. I thought <clears throat> some of the questions from from the floor, as as ever, seems to be the way at these events, were a little bit meandering and. It's not, not quite as relevant as you'd like them to be, but one was, and somebody asked Robert Elston to you know, explain a little bit about what he'd learned from the previous failed ground moves. And that could be perceived in different AGMs as a loaded question or as a criticism or something to you know, poke into the ribs of the chief executive and to maybe elicit a kind of um, defensive response. But what I was impressed was, and I have to say, is that Elston responded quite, you know... Um, he responded quite, I would say, maturely, for want of a better phrase, not suggesting he's immature, but the way he, he said, we have learned from Kirby, we needed a greater consensus on the next ground move. Walton Hall Park, we've learned that you, know, you need to have all the ducks in a row before you start talking publicly, which was maybe why they were cautious of naming the Bramley Moor. Um, and his answer to that genuinely gave me um, belief that they've learned from what's gone wrong in the past, because... You can accept when things don't happen, and I must say, Everton's ground move litany of failures does really push it to the push the envelope. I mean, not many clubs would have such, a, you know, mm. a shabby record of projects that they've started and they fail. But at least it seems like they've learned, and yeah, it helps that machinery is here. But I get the feeling the right people are listening to the right people, and as Phil said, then, you know, they've made a conscious effort from the last AGM to this one. All of a sudden, Anderson was on board. In fact, he was in the meeting and he was mm. speaking. Yeah. So it just looked as if we haven't buried our heads in the sands and you know put up the shutters and ignoring the, the criticism or constructive advice from outside. Actually, it looked as if we're moving forward. Yeah, but that, that's what good organisations do, though, don't they? They, they learn from the mistakes in the past and they, and they have a system in place to 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 to, to what you've learned to. to put in new processes to rectify the errors of the past and, and have honesty about it as well. That's what all good organisations do and it, that want to progress. The ones that don't is, is the ones that don't learn and don't don't learn from it and don't put anything in place in the future. Yep. So I've not got a problem with any CEO, any company saying, yeah, we made mistakes in the past and we've learned from them and mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do in the future, you know, as a, as a result of that. So I, I, uh, I've not got a problem with it responding in that way. Is this just... Having learned from mistakes in the past, or the fact of the matter is now they've got someone with a few quid. Is that just the sole difference? Because when you're looking at Kirby, you're looking at Walton Old Park, you're looking at all these <laughs> failed ground moves, you haven't to rely on someone else to back it or support. Now they don't need that. It's well, there's certainly an element to that, I think. There's yeah. definitely an element to that. But what I would say is if we didn't have Fahad Mashiri. I think Everton would still have to find a way of, of acknowledging their need to move mm. to a new ground. Where they would be at, I don't know. Mm. However, 
just because they've got Fahd Mashiri, as me and Phil learned last night when we spoke to uh, Robert Austin afterwards, it still doesn't make it quite as cut and dry as, for example, if Shakeman saw a, a drop Man City mm. and come on board with Everton. Fahd Mashiri, Phil, isn't here to underwrite a, a 300 £400 million pound stadium at you know, one swish of his pen. They still need to find enabling ways to make it work financially, don't they? Yeah, I don't. I, I, the way I understand it, and I don't think this is, as you say, Farhad's just going to get the checkbook out and goes, there's 350 million quid of my own money. I think he's there as almost the guarantor for the the inevitable loan that you would have to get to fund the stadium. Yeah. That you know, that's that's the reality of it. He, but he's there now as the guarantor, if you like. Because like a name he, and rights and contacts, etc. Well, yeah, I mean that would come into it. What I'm saying is Farhad's got the financial clout to to, to go to the bank and say. Loan us this money. I'll be your guarantor. We'll pay it back. I'm here now. We can pay it back. Yeah. Whereas previously, maybe Everton, as, as, as yeah. Bill mentioned last night, you said they were going pleading to the banks every week before Farhad came. So I think that's the difference now. Farhad isn't going to go, as I say, yeah. there's 350 million quid. Do what you want with it. That's not how you run a business. That's not. You talk about sustainability last night and sustaining um, a, a business and a club and a team to rejoin the elite. Just throwing money and not thinking about it coming back or where you're spending it is not how you do that. So it's a business plan that Farhad is at the head of. No, Phil, you've just said to, to stay with the elite. It was a very good point because Moshiri, I think it was Farhad Moshiri, he said that it's more acceptable for us to be within the big clubs in the Premier League rather than the FA Cup take priority. I think someone did mention that. It's on Farhad, Farhad, Farhad said, that. said he feels, he loves the FA Cup, but he says where Everton's quote competitive edge will be truly tested is in the Premier League. And I agree with that. Although, for a football fan, I want to see my team lift an FA Cup. Well, But for a business perspective, look where we're going to. They won the Cup three years ago. Yeah. Well, he was... You know what I mean? Sorry, Gav, just to, on that point. He was <clears throat> he was slightly taken to task by one of the shareholders last night on that fact. Yeah. There wasn't really a question. It was more a kind of a somebody voicing their sort of disagreement with his opinion yeah. that the Premier League is more important than silverware, so to speak. But the, fa the fact of the matter is, Fahad spoke eloquently and with passion about Everton's past. He understands their history and heritage, as he said, and he understands all of that about the club. But he's also a realist. Yeah. And for him, he's dragging Everton now into a real sort of a realism. And that is the Premier League. Yes, we want to go and win the FA Cup. Of course we do. Mm. But the reality is, if they're going to become among the elite again you, that's not by winning one FA Cup yeah. in 21 you've got Portsmouth Wigan the list goes on a team that you've got to challenge yeah. the top four yeah. every season yeah, yeah yeah. but saying that the teams, look at the teams that have won the FA Cup in the last 10 years apart from okay you've got Portsmouth Wigan but like oh, City have won it Man, Man United have won it Liverpool have won it you know they're, they're the elite like, that's, that's what I mean saying. that's what I mean that because the FA Cup has come after could, that, could that it, you, the, the theory is the best you do in the Premier League, you know, more money both for yep. finishing yep. at the top end of the Premier League and it, you know, it enhances your value and exposure and all that. And that gives you more money and that gives you more money to buy better players. It gives you more chance of winning yep. trophies. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. I don't think you can prioritise anything above the Premier League because that, that's yeah. the thing that drives but, but drives the whole whole future of the club, really. Yeah. It's Farhad saying one has to come before the other. Yeah, but that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think we can acknowledge that. And I, yeah. I, I wouldn't dispute that. Um, and I think I think did he used to phrase gold standard. I can't he remember. Did, did yeah. he to, and I, I, you know, fully support that. And he also said that there was a good line. He said about I don't want us to be a museum. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was like it's one of those standout quotes. Yeah, I thought I, I know what it captures a lot of things just by saying that. Yeah. 
I thought I thought that was a really good quote. I just I just warrant on that FA Cup v, v Premier League debate. I think we're in a sort of fortunate for one well fortunate in a sense um situation whereby we're not in Europe. We we're not in the League Cup. Um, so I don't know if he really has to kind of has to be rotating and chopping and changing. We would have a game, you know, a Premier League game this weekend anyway, if it weren't for the FA Cup, if you know what I mean. So I don't think we have to see a weekend team go out. Mm. I, I, I think that's a, that's the management side of the club, isn't it? That, that I think it's a slightly divorced what was spoken about last night. About, and I, I just think that um, I just think he was right, um, and I think that everything's built towards that, and and, and I think. He's spoken in the past about being part of a northwest hub of football mm. of like the two cities in Liverpool and yeah. the two cities in Manchester, and I think to do that you've got to finish like at the top, you know, yeah. or at the top ends of the Premier League rather than being at a big six. We want to be part of a big seven, don't we? Mm. Rather than the best of the rest. Yeah. And that that's the key thing for me in all of this is is getting us to. To a magnificent seven. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying, Gav, because, because if you're around about the top six for the last five years, you will you will tend to remember who the top six clubs are in the Premier League over the last five or six years. Where if you trust someone who won the FA Cup over the last five or six years, you go, I can't really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you you know who the big teams are in the league. We've got better chance of winning the FA Cup by being part of the top six or seven yeah. than prioritising the FA Cup above the yeah. Premier League. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that and, and that goes for all cup, cup competitions. And um, and at the moment, I know look at it, if you look at the league at the moment, well we nine points. I don't get into too much, but nine points behind Man United Army were six. So there's the if you look at it, that there's a big big chasm. To uh, mm. to fill there, and I'd rather us be viewed at the end of the season as a starting point as being bottom of the top seven rather than being top of the the bottom fourteen. If you if you know what I mean, <laughs> you know, you know yeah, yeah. slightly illogical, but I think that's what we should be aiming to to do when we say if we do finish seventh, that it's in that this, in that, se- yeah, yeah, this, this season, season, yeah, yeah, next season after two windows of Mashiri wealth, I think we need to be aiming to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shuffle up that top seven. Well, that was the other we'll thing. get close and bridge the gap at least. Or bridge yeah. the gap. But yeah. he said we have what? Did he say we have one window or something? To, last night he said. That, I can't uh, remember. The, the oh, he, he was talking about. It was quite interesting actually. Yeah. He said. Oh, sorry. He yeah, sounded yeah. so yeah. relentlessly ambitious. He said we've got a window of opportunity. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. He, um, he he made. He made us laugh. To establish ourselves. Yeah, he, he had a bit of a, not a pop, but he was quite funny. They were quite, um, you know, offhand the way he sort of dismissed West Ham. He said, we thought their new stadium would give them an immediate edge, but that's not worked out yet. He said, Tottenham is a bit of a, bit a mixed bag, a bit lucky uh, in terms of their, their financial setup and what have you. But he was very honest, very candid. <laughs> but he did say, you know, we've got, we've got a window of opportunity. But I love the fact he was saying, but if we miss it, you know, we're going to find ourselves locked in that, Bottom fourteen, yeah. If you like, so this is a chance. I think he probably means January in the summer. Yeah. But January is a, a big window as well. To as you say, yeah. so to prove that we're not going to finish too far off the pace of the magnificent seven. <laughs> yeah. As we've coined those Gabs coined. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Um, I personally, like you say, I, I found what he was saying so so uh, inspiring, especially that museum. What do you think that museum can't get? Because I loved it. For 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 me growing up. Everton's a special club for me, and always will be. But when someone says, in a nutshell, we don't want to be just a special club, we want to be a winning football club. All our yesterdays is is a phrase that you know you can throw a 
to some extent, both Merseyside clubs yeah. at times. And we have got a very proud heritage, and we rightly um, acclaim it. But that's all well and good. It's not putting young fans, smiles on their faces, new trophies in the, in the cabinet of Goodison Park, and not materially moving us forward into that elite. And that's why Mashiri's come in. And it's just great to hear he hasn't been seduced too much by this whole, oh, we're one of the traditional big clubs of England, mm. we're this, we're that, we've won nine league titles, you know, we've been consecutive seasons in the top flight more than any other. Yeah, it's all well and good. But as he said, we don't want to be museum. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and also as well, we've got to bear in mind the way fo- football is going in the future, isn't it? Or even in the near future, or even now, with the increased globalisation of the game. And actually, the current format of having a Premier League, Champions League, that exists at the moment may change within the next five or ten years where actually you've got more global focused uh, nature of club football and it's important that the work's done now for us to be part of that rather than be left behind just by being in the Premier League and I think that that's one of the things we need to bear in mind that the current state of English football and the way it's organised and governed will not be the, the same as what it will be in probably ten years time even maybe not even five, and we need need to make sure that when that change happens, that we're part of that change, rather than being on the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're looking very far ahead, but I think we're already seeing this plans for Premier League games abroad, maybe one or two a season. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, Dave Richard's spoken about that, hasn't he? Yeah. Ultimately, you you might, with, with your specs on looking in the future, you might see a pan-European Super League, you might even see a global league. And that's it. And the fact of the matter is, they're still going to be Evertonians wanting to watch Everton. So Mashiri's legacy has got to be that Everton as well positioned as they can be to not have, well to avoid the cut when it comes to yeah. who should we take with us into the top yeah. echelons and who should we leave. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. And that you need to be part of that elite that we're that's talking what, about there. Yeah, and and that's mean. the thing. And at the moment, we're not, but we need to be part of that. So when change happens in the future, which it will happen, that we're part of that change rather than being on the outside. Phil Robert said, didn't he? just to emphasise to, to people who are listening who might not have picked up on it, two to three months was when, so I assume it'll be three months, when the club can kind of think that they'll make another statement about the stadium. Just tell us a little bit more about what, what we think he meant by that. He used the phrase bottom out, didn't he? Two, three months to bottom out um, the stadium issue. For me, I took that as him saying, in two to three months, we'll, we'll sort of, fl- you know, flag, flag in the ground, so to speak, and we'll say where where we're going. We'll we'll have in principle set up where the money's coming from, rough time frame, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and we'll say right, this is we've we've agreed with the land sale with Peel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That is then they'll go public and go this is where we're building. Yeah. What I what I want to know and I'm keen to find out is what part the council play in the enabling finance. And you know we'll endeavour to find that out uh, for the paper. The website over the next few few weeks and months, but so I mean, just grants from the EU and stuff come into it. I don't know. Well, with, 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 with I don't know if it is grants or if it's because you some sort of wider development. You see, uh, that's part of the of the funding process. It's going to need some sort of. Well, I think that part of Liverpool is going to have a retail element. Mm. Liverpool Waters going forward, and it's not obviously just not going to be the Bramley Moor. Yeah. It's going to be way beyond yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Peel have got 5.5 billion plans for that yeah. area. Yeah. But don't so, forget, Greg, sorry, the, the council about Liverpool Football Club and the Anfield area as well. They are, if, you, if you can muster 23 million to help Liverpool's new stand, then you can find it forever. Yeah, no, absolutely. But what I mean is, I suppose what else to mean, bottom out the full terms of the, of, of the deal of how the council are going to help them. 
Yeah. And then they know that then they can push forward well, with announcing. What was your opinion on the, the train station comment? Was you surprised well, by that one? I, I, well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah, they'll need a new station there anyway yeah. for Peel Waters. But Joe letting it slip the way he did at the Everton's general meeting while discussing the Bramley Moor, he's a seasoned politician. For me, that's a huge indicator that that is not only that's the confirmed site that Everton want, it's probably the site they're going to get. Now, I do touch wood there because, like I said, we've all had our fingers burned in the yeah, past. Yeah. But it can't be any coincidence that Joe, Joe risks have a massive egg on his face in every sense when he stands up and talks about, you know, there's a train site. We've already improved the infrastructure of £20 million towards a road running along Great Tower Street yeah. away towards that. He's spoken about... Um, what was the thing he said? I think, I think I don't know if the, if, if it was related to the train station, but he said in April they'll be announcing six million pounds worth of other investment. Well, I don't know if that infrastructure investments. Yeah. So Ben, the, the the other phrase that caught me out last night was, and I think you probably touched on the day, Phil. Ben brought up some most significant issues. Yeah, yeah, Is that what we're talking about here? Do you I think? think so, or, yeah, yeah. I, that's the way I understood it. You know, it, it is a significant issue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's the biggest issue. Yeah. How we how are we funding it? Yeah. So I, I, that's why I I took that as. Um, and he said it'd be a critical few months, and obviously then later told us yeah. we'd have a decision within I, three months. I think what what we've probably been party to or witness to is a lot of public posturing and brinksmanship between Peel and Everton. Peel spoke to the Echo just before Christmas and for the first time publicly acknowledged that Everton want to build a stadium on the Bramley Moor. They spoke to one of my colleagues, Alastair, and said that, um, you know, it would be nice to have Everton there, but there are other kind of other possibilities and, and avenues, and if that, if that doesn't happen, Robert L. Stone and, and Ken Wright, I think, both mentioned last night that there are other sites, alternatives, alternatives yeah. plural. <laughs> so I think it's a lot of posturing and it's a lot of brinksmanship. And they're both trying to, you know, now through the media and through the public arena, just just do this negotiation process. Everton want the best price they can drive. And they'll probably be saying to Peel, without us, you haven't made a whole lot of progress with Liverpool Waters yet. Yeah. We're saying we're going to put football stadium, a huge economic driver, yeah. right at the heart of what you want. It will bring so much along with it. You need to give us a, big, a good price on the land. Mm. Peel will be saying, it's our land, it's our water scheme. You want to be part of that. You need to pay <laughs> what we want for the land. Yeah. Know, and somewhere in the middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. there'll be a compromise. And also, any like, future income generation from that, we want to be part of that as well. Like, I, know, guess, I guess, therefore, and that all comes back to, that's where Joe Anderson comes in, and the fact that now, Everton's search for a stadium where... 13 months ago was riddled by division, is now being driven by unity because they have to work together with the council. And they, and they, 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 they emphasised it so much last night at the meeting. They were just like, it was like it was the main point they were trying to get across. We are working with the council really well. Yeah, I mean, I think the other point that was mentioned about when we started talking about this, about Machiri coming in, about how that changes things with the new stadium. He, he's got access to other people who can come in who are experts, isn't he? And, Sort of more familiar with this type of issue than perhaps what we've had before, and I think that's a great assistance. You know, it's happened already, hasn't it, at board level, but beyond that, and I think that you know that helps us address some of the lessons learned in the past, uh, and, and and I think that's up to our benefit. I mean, the, the interesting thing for me about the stadium then is is what you know, there's time scales for the stars, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that that that's the thing. You know, 
Michelle was talking about immediately, you know, big step change for Everton. But if your stadium's mm. two, three years down the line, you've got you've got that gap to fill, haven't you? I don't think it's any coincidence that Everton has spent a, a fair sum of money, not not probably relatively speaking in Michelle's terms, but on uh, redeveloping Goodison, mm-hmm. giving it a bit of a facelift. Joe Anderson, quite a few months back last year, hinted at maybe two to three years for the stadium move. In good faith, I'm absolutely sure. I can't see that. Being being realistic, I'd be surprised if Everton playing at that stadium by 2021. Um, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope... Maybe I'm overestimating how long construction could take. Maybe it could happen by 2020, by the end of the decade, but... Uh, I, you know, I would be I would be saying that would be a real good go if they got it done by then. As well as that, Greg, on you saying you know paying a relatively not particularly significant amount of money in modern day football. I won't dwell on it too much. So I'm going to write my column on it this week. But there's no there's no there's no coincidence that Everton are going to be spending ten million pounds on a 19 year old, a player for the future, because in, by the time Everton's new stadium is built, if he's still at the football club, he's in the prime of his career. Yeah. He's a star player. That is a big part of the sales pitch now with Everton to mm. these young lads. Do you, Charlie, again, you know, you're touching back on the stadium there. Do you think the board are thinking, I don't know if it's too far ahead, that this is solely going to be a football stadium for Everton Football Club? Is it going to have a run on track around, maybe for the Commonwealth Games? Will it host concerts? Will he think the bigger picture or just solely for Everton Football Club as a football stadium? Really interesting that because and have we got a number for Dan Mice? <laughs> Get him on the phone because <coughs> because I mean Joe Anderson's kind of speculated, hasn't he? In in uh, he, and he can only speculate at this stage as well because the Commonwealth Games is some time off, and uh, and Liverpool obviously haven't even <laughs> won yeah. won the bid, um, so it is speculative. But the difficulty being, I suppose, is that he would have to maybe as he does when he speaks to the architects and people who are planning the stadium, say, would there be potential to possibly use this as the Commonwealth Games? But Everton couldn't hang their hat on building the stadium, which would have a running track, which I think would be divisive. Yeah. I, personally, I wouldn't want a running track. Yeah. Um, but I guess there might be ways architecturally, Dan Mice, if you're listening, um, yeah. to maybe have a facility to a pitch that rolls on, rolls yeah, off. Yeah, you could yeah. incorporate some sort of running track. I don't know. It, I don't thing. think it would be great to have it like a permanent I wouldn't be I was, just, I was just about to say, Machiri <coughs> mentioned West Ham, the, the potential for that threat, and it hasn't worked. I wonder whether that has been part of the discussions yeah. with Dan Mice or whoever they're dealing with, and it, they've just gone, it's not worked. We have to retain, like Bill Bow did, they have to retain the sense of atmosphere, closeness to the pitch. Otherwise, What's the point, really? Yeah. yeah, and that's what we're familiar with, aren't we? But, I mean, what's lost as well within this, and Phil touched on it there, is, and this is the thing for me, is you can talk all you want about stadium and commercial deals, but, like, balance sheets don't win things, do they? It's, it's players and managers, and it's what we're going to be doing in this new world, as it were, to, to support that. And, you know, we spoke about the, the chart and Charting lad there, and you know the January transfer window and transfer window after that, and we need, we all need to remember that is what we spoke about last night. It's all great and generating income, additional income, you know, to to meet with financial fair play, but it doesn't guarantee it anything. What guarantees you something in football is having good management, good players, a good yeah buying and selling policy, you know, academy and things like that. 
So that shouldn't be lost on anybody within all of this. Is that, that That's what actually takes parity above anything else. Spot on. Yeah. Don't forget, we, we can get too easily lured into the sense of, as we've started the podcast talking about being the best of the rest or being bottom of the top seven. There's no reason things have to be that way. We had a manager not so long ago who got Everton to fourth place in the Premier League. Now, it was a different financial uh, landscape even then, but it was still improbable even yeah, then. Yeah. Last season, and I'm sure none of us have forgotten, Leicester City won the bleeding league. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's not... Ronald Koeman is, you know, improving Everton, un- undisputably. He's improved Everton, and he really needs to show that he's not just someone who's content with getting them into seventh or sixth. Why can't he? Why can't he you know, charge down United this season or so up and down? Yeah, there's a financial gap in what they and what they've spent in the summer massively, and they probably will spend in January as well. But we've got to remember that it's not always just about where your wage base is and finishing in accordance to your financial power. Cumin and the trend. Cumin and Walsh were there. Where they go? What do you think they made of it, Phil? Cumin and Walsh. What do you think they made of the whole the whole meeting? They they've heard all, all before. It won't be new to them, will yeah. it? Um, you know, I would imagine very much, certainly, actually in both cases, you know, when when Mashiri and, and Kenwright have gone to Cooman and they've gone to Walsh and said, do you want to be part of this? They've absolutely said, look... That's why is, they're here. Yeah, yeah. This, is what we, this is what we're planning. Do you want to be part of it? Mm. So, I, I expect they've heard it all before, but, you know, so but when they've heard it for the first time, they would have been impressed. That's why they've joined. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's the point, you know, I'm trying to make is that history's littered with clubs who've built new grounds or new stands and thought, oh, that's it now. With you know, it happened to Chelsea in the seventies. Happened to Notts Forest in the eighties. Built a stand and he lost. He spent so much money on it. They lost all the impetus they got from winning two European cups. So we need to bear that in mind that when you build a new ground, it doesn't guarantee you mm. anything. And I think that's what you said there, Phil. So I, right, is it's what we do between now and when any new ground comes to fruition 2020 2020 vision and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it is, uh, magnificent that's the key thing isn't it Those, that two and three year window which is maybe what you're talking about yeah. before that that we get that right and I think that's why Michelle is not yeah. saying he's going to pour all of his, fin- his, his, his wealth into just funding a stadium he's going to find a financial model for it to work crucially so he can continue to support the manager in the transfer market, because without that, as we've seen with Arsenal to an extent, they've had a great manager, they've got a brilliant youth system, and they have spent not as much as their fans would like, and ultimately, let's face it, they haven't spent enough to keep you. They've been crying out for certain players in yeah. certain areas, which wouldn't probably made them champions at some point in the last five years, and they haven't really. But I think Mishiri wants to, I mean, Ken Wright joked last night, didn't he? He said, believe me, this guy wants to sign more players than you do. Just watch he, the telly say, we'll sign him, we'll sign him. He's we'll a Sky him. Sports dream, you know. So I think Mishiri wants to have his, <laughs> his walking around money. I think he wants to make, maybe focus more on that. He mm. wants to be someone who's bringing in players and, and enjoying. That, that's probably yeah, why he's yeah, got into yeah. it. To be someone who, yeah. you know. He said, yeah. in, he used the phrase, involved in a football club. He wasn't involved at Arsenal. Yeah, but that, that, yeah. that's a smart move though, isn't it? Because he might have a new stadium in three, four years' time and ever. But the best way of filling that stage from the onset is actually having a successful team in the interim, isn't it? Yeah. But, but on, on, the, on the other scale of that, if Everton if we were to plan this stadium in like four or five years' time, wouldn't you think that whatever the results are on the pitch, you will be able to attract a generation of supporters? I want to see Everton in the brand new stadium on the Bromley Mordor. Uh, 
it's a shout. Um, but that that's the key thing for me in all of this and all last night, and I said before on the podcast, is it's the size of the stadium, understanding the size of your support that you've got, mm. that will go. Having the price and model that works. We spoke last we spoke last night and it was good to say about season tickets being frozen. That won't be sustainable in a new ground, I would imagine, if you've got a part of your financial plan. And so it and that's the thing mm. for me, is the the size of the stadium and getting that right is the key thing. And you can only get that by having a successful football club and charging a right right price. it's worth noting as well that um, and, and, and you know we have to give credit to Robert Elston for this he's really kind of driven the, the, the desire to make football affordable to younger fans and I think in, the, in one of the slides last night and forgive me if, I, if I'm quoting this wrongly I think he said over the last 12 month, months sorry, they believe they've attracted 40,000 new supporters young supporters that equates to 300,000 tickets or something so I think that is part of the process so if they do go slightly mm. ambitious with a new stadium they believe the hope is that this this new generation of younger fans that they're, they're attracting now will stay with them when they get older? Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant to just expand on that point that they've introduced another subcategory in the season tickets for people under the age of 25. And as Robert said, yeah. you know, there's people out there who haven't yet really got into their career. Maybe they've not long been out of um, higher education, or or maybe they're just at a point whereby, as I think he said, struggling to pay the rent, just getting by. They want to go and watch Everton. And now this season ticket is, and, and by the way, there's a chance to pay it over 12 months direct mm-hmm. debit. I think, did he say £40 a month or £30 a month? Yeah, yeah, so it's a 30, yeah, you won't yeah. pay no more than £30 to whatever isn't, isn't that brilliant? Yeah. And, and so I think that's a brilliant idea. And I mean, it's only going to get capture, well, certainly ensure Goodison's full for every home game, as it yeah. pretty much has been. Yeah. And as Phil said then, sow the seed to get those extra 10,000 fans in the new stadium. I just, I mean, this is, is a conversation for a, a completely different time, but, I mean, Gav, you said it's not sustainable to season ticket prices if we go into new stadiums, but but could we not play devil's advocate? Are you not recouping the money, the difference, so to speak, because of the hospitality that a new stadium would have? Well, is that, that what we've missed that's out That's what on? I mean is that... about is, is understanding how much hospitality you can get and how much actually that generates in the season. I mean, I've always viewed it around, but I say if you've got like 20 hospitality boxes or whatever, it's paying £50,000 each season. Mm. It's only a million quid. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, we'll pay uh, one of your leading players what, for a couple of months. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that's it. You, you just, we, we, we overstate the importance of, I always think, uh, hospitality and, dare I say, the amount of city shirts sold mm. as well. Um, it, it, it's, it's, the core money comes from telly, and we've had this conversation before. That is that mm. is the key thing. Million pound every yeah. televised game. Yeah. The, the, the important thing for us, I think, from the stadium is having the ground. But we need to make sure, we need to understand that to make it work and make it really profitable. As I that, some things have got probably got to change. Name, well, been naming rights. Well. Yeah, yeah, naming rights. Yeah, absolutely. Name rights. Maybe the way you place your tickets and, and, and stuff like that. But knowing the amount of people who'd want to who'd want to go there. The way football is watched in the future will change. As I said before, there will be, mm. you know, within a few years, maybe the next TV deal the year after, the day after that, that all games will be accessible. I think it's likely Facebook will stream all games. Don't thing, you so think if this new grant, obviously, if if stuff when it happens, there'll be businesses from all over the world wanting to get a box at that ground? 
on but the waterfront stadium. I think they'd that, be falling yeah. over themselves. Who wouldn't want to yeah. buy a box? I also on uh, that in I that stadium. Th- I also think, and again going back to what Gav has said throughout the podcast, yeah, you, you're correct, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But he also ties in with success on the pitch. pitch yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because if Everton aren't pushing anywhere near Europe, some of those companies are going to go. Well, what's the exposure? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'd never compare Everton ever to a club like, with respect, Middlesbrough, but the Riverside Stadium there, you know, let's 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 hope and certainly have some faith that the Bramley Moor, whatever the stadium is called, will knock that into, a, you know, it'll be a ten times better stadium. But you don't have, I, I doubt they have global companies beating no. down a door just because they're based on, on the, uh, yeah. Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. the Weir? No, that's Sunderland, isn't it? Uh, just because it's based on, on the edge of a river. Yeah, yeah. so... I think you've got to be scale on this. Realistic. Don't talk about that generation of supporters that they're trying to attract. There's a, did, believe it or not, I know that there's there's mates. I've, I've got Liverpool fans who, whose lads they can't afford to take them to the Liverpool match. They don't have that category where under 16 tickets. They don't have an under 25 ticket scheme, which Everton are going to now introduce. So when they when they go into school, and these Liverpool fans they're not going to the match when there's kids and they're going into school and say, did you go to the match the weekend? Blah blah blah. And the Evertonians are going, yeah, my dad took me, yeah, I'm going every week. And these Liverpool supporters, these kids, they're not going. They'll they'll change in the end. That's what happens. If they're not going the match and their mates are, they go, I'm going with me, mate. I don't know. It happens, Greg, I've seen it happen. I think think Robert Elston has been really on the money with this one. I think he's, he's, he's seen that football... You know, Everton have been one of the clubs that have led the way in the away ticket fan initiative and all of that great stuff. But Everton are absolutely leading the way making football affordable because it's not but at Everton it now is becoming far more affordable than any other, any other place we, in the we country. need to do that to fill the ground don't they other, other dare I say other, other big clubs who've got like a worldwide oh, yeah. and international support know yeah. that that actually it doesn't yeah. matter whether like somebody under 11 at local schools not affordable because we know there's loads of people from yeah. other countries in Europe who, who fill them fill them specs at like a premium yeah. price so that's why they can do it but I suppose what you say, Phil, it's a smart thing for us is we're, we're approaching it in a slightly different way about filling seats. Let's yeah. fill the stadium. That's sustainable. You know, for want of a better way of phrasing it, having a very local club. Aren't yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So let's fill the stadium. Let's make football affordable for local people. Our fan base, our core fan base is round in Merseyside. Let's get people to the ground. And just touch on what I was saying then, that the lads who I know, like they've got sons who are Liverpool supporters, and they said, listen, if I'm, I can't afford to take him the match and his mates are going to watch Everton and if he comes to me and says he wants to go and watch Everton, I'll buy him his ticket because he can't afford to take his own son to the match. And that's what Everton are now introducing, which is... Them season ticket prices were unbelievable yesterday. You look at it, no, no more than £30 for a match, Premier League match. And we've seen what the away, the away ticket situation is regarding to this season as well. So I think Everton, have, they've hit the nail on the head regarding to what they've done with the season tickets. Brilliant. <laughs> All I'd say is... We've had these brilliant sold-out Goodison Parks and the atmosphere has still been as mad and quirky and up and down as ever. Maybe uh, maybe at some point, you know, Kumil, you, you know, harness the power of Goodison on a more consistent basis. Yeah. That's, that was the thing about the uh, the ground by the river, as we all know. If you work down here, it'd be very windy and stuff. And it'd be, you know, <laughs> at the best Stoke, of like Stoke away. <laughs> so it'd be yeah. interesting to see the design, whether it takes account of that, because it can have like, a big yeah. effect on things, can't yeah. it? You yeah. know what I mean? And... Yeah. Uh, 
be interesting to see about the design team, you know, where it sort of addresses that fact. Yeah, they, they, all, they always said the Gladys Street would suck in a goal. Yeah. <laughs> the new Gladys Street might literally blow suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ball disappeared into the maze. If you like that one, it was, it was a Shrewsbury where they had the, the boat on the, oh. uh, on the river, like for the fish, and they'll have like a couple of trawlers in the maze. You could just get the match ball. Greg, what was your take on commercially um, 300%? Yeah, no. That call from Robert Elston. What, what was your take on that one? Interesting, I think. Well, he raised the prospect of Everton having, uh, along along with the other Premier League clubs, it wasn't something I was aware of, this shirt sleeve property next, as of next season. So it looks like the Premier League shirts uh, and clubs are going down the road of other sports like Rugby League and uh, Formula One. Championship on it as well, League One and League Two. Different sponsors, yeah, do they? Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on the bottom of the numbers and everything. There you go. So whereby they're basically opening that shirt, that piece of property as as it's termed in financial kind of business quarters to more than one advertiser and yeah i think it's inevitable really it probably doesn't make the shirts look a million dollars in terms of how they you know but if it's going to bring in more commercial income it's going to help the club maybe pay for lukaku's wages for another season or bring in yeah. the next lukaku whatever it is it looks like everton are, as he said working hard to get that shirt sleeve deal and you know, he said that they've got a new sponsor for the shirt. Uh, we think it's new. Me and Phil have still can't quite second guess whether or not it's going to be a Chang extension or a new sponsor. We suspect the latter. And to add to that, and a name and rights deal for Finch Farm, which is again taking us up with those clubs like United, like Arsenal, um, and like City, who do have the everything that they can yeah. nail down. With a sponsorship attached to it, why that's, not? That's a clear sign of Mashiri's influence there. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's clear for me. Looking outside in, it's his contacts that have helped facilitate that. Because clearly, Everton will have had that discussion at some point in the last five, six, seven years. Because other clubs are doing it, but Mashiri has either expedited the process and gone, no, we're making this a priority, or and probably as well, he's gone. Well, I know a fella who might be interested. It's contacts, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, can you just say the shirt sponsor could it be Scotty Bet TV? Hey, the, uh, yeah, I think that'd be uh, that'd be good. John Anderson, that's the you know yeah, that'd be good, you know? official gambling partner. Yeah, Greg, <laughs> hey, just go surely go back to the stadium once more. Do you think it? How big will this be? Not just for Everton, but for the city to have an iconic footballing stadium on the waterfront. Well, it's no look. Joe Anderson is an Evertonian. He doesn't make any effort to hide that. He's very upfront. Um, very passionate about the Blues, but more, first and foremost, he's the mayor of Liverpool, and, and it's no coincidence that the whole council, uh, whether I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans like it or not, and I get the impression from Twitter last night, a few felt they had the cages rattled by the suggestion that, you know, ironically, despite the effort, the, the support they've been given over Stanley Park, Just the abortive, and then the new main stand, mm-hmm. you'll always get that though, it's partisan, mm-hmm. it's a football city, but nonetheless, he is primary responsibility is to move Liverpool, the city, the, you know, the region may side forward. So it's a no-brainer for him. Of mm. course, like I said, when we're talking about this brinksmanship and this negotiating, for both parties, they really want Everton Stadium there. So John yeah. Joe, the council, the third party, really wants a stadium there. I don't think anybody in their right mind would countenance Everton being in Stonebridge Cross. I think one of the shareholders again said, the big fear is, you move to the outskirts of the city, albeit it's not the outskirts, you know, and still right by a big arterial route, but out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And it is a bit. There's, well, look, 
to put it this way, they can't afford to fail with the Bramley Moor move. Yeah. Yeah. Everton cannot afford another Kingstock, another Walton Old Park, or another Kirby. I think everyone knows yeah. that. Yeah, John, yeah. would you go as far as to say that these four or five months are the biggest in the club's history? In terms of everything, these these next the two transfer windows and the stadium move are these. Is this the biggest three to four months in the club's entire I would, history? I would hope we've got in our recent history. Yeah, um, I hope hope we've got bigger bigger months than that in three years' time when yeah. you know we're part of the elite. Um, but yeah, they are. Um, I think linked to I think to the pitch. Most of all, about what we do within the two transfer windows, and, and getting that right. But it's not just getting find the right players; it's blend them in, into the team and as a manager, managing properly. Um, you know, making sure you've got your balance of your team right. That you know, and all that type of stuff we speak about every week. You know, and that's that's why it's important. Mm. We need we need to get that right. So we've got a good platform going going forward. Um, but that's just down to the basics of good management, signing good players. Getting them to play in the proper way, I think that's important mm. because if if we get the if we if we can use our like sort of extra cash as it were in the in the, in yeah. the two transfer windows, which brings us back to the bread and butter, um, why we all go and watch football. The games, uh, good win over South over a tired Southampton. So in the end, to be fair, he was not in between the two sides for like 70, 80 minutes, wasn't he? And you could just see Southampton were tired. And I think they played one game. The day before, that day, the day later, down the show, you could see that was affecting them. Um, when when we were talking, I remember when all four of us were on, on this table talking in in August, we were praising how good Southampton were and how many plays you'd love from their team. And then, truly to the fact that turn around to you, didn't I? And watching the Everton Southampton match, and I was looking at Southampton, going, I wouldn't, wouldn't look, wouldn't have many of these plays in the team. Maybe it's the fact that they were tired and they played too many games in a short space of time, but. I was looking at them. Yeah, Van Dyke didn't play, and no Charlie Austin. No Charlie Austin. Um, Forster didn't have the best of games in goal. But I was looking at Southampton. I was thinking, I'm not having this. Everton, Everton looked like the Southampton of last season, whereas the Southampton looked like the Everton. It was unbelievable for, for the last twenty minutes, at least. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah it was seventy minutes. Was pretty bland, wasn't it? Where them encouraged is the fact that we got seven points out of nine over Christmas. Mm. We're really not playing that great yeah. uh, in any of the three games. We had spells where we did. Um, that's given us a good platform. We've gone, we spoke in November that that December period is when looked at fixes, particularly the home ones, are going to be difficult. If we come out into January, dare I say, when the window opens, mm. and we're sort of there or there about what we were in November, which is probably six, seven, yeah. which we are, then we'd probably think that's acceptable. I think that's right. Within that was only the Watford game and you look at fucking how do we how do we lose uh, how do we lose the Watford game and you see what's happened to them since. So I think um Southampton game, good win, but in the context of the seven games I think we, we we've done okay. Yeah. We've done okay and it's given us something to, to, to hang on to. And obviously Saturday we've touched on it earlier when we were talking about the FA Cup versus the Premier League as per the debate last night. Um from my point of view it's essential for the momentum of this season, for the hopes of this season being more than just a, a consolidatory one, that we get through this tie. Mm. But it's it's a difficult tie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's um, I, it is on the back of the, they've had a couple of good results recently, haven't they? They've picked, picked, picked up. Picked up. But I think they'll 
I'm just, I don't want to say it. Maybe come back to me words here, but I think they'll throw the towel in on this one. They've got a Champions League game coming up soon, haven't they? They've got league. They, they need to get back up the league, don't they? As well. well so they need I to think, make sure they're all right. Yeah, yeah. And I think Everton being at home. He'll only, and obviously on a bit of a roll. I think Cumin will target this. He's won a couple of cups abroad, hasn't he, in Spain and in Portugal and, and whatnot, I think, in Holland. So I think he's going to target this one. Everton, seventh. I think there's some distance away. I think there's West Brom just below, and then there's about four or five-point gap, isn't he, towards behind to Bournemouth. So he will target this, I think, and you've just got to touch lucky with the, with the own draws, haven't you? Yeah, I think he may learn some of the lessons from the Norwich. Yeah. Norwich game in the League Cup. Um, from that, and I agree with you, so I think Leicester will... This won't be their biggest priority in the next mm. uh, couple of months. I think the, the last thing Leicester probably wants is a replay or another FA Cup game in the fifth round. Yeah. I don't, sure. I can't see them wanting this. So I think if we look overall, if we look back at where we were in May time, April time last year when we were getting snotted three 0 off <laughs> Sunderland, four 0 off Liverpool, the list is endless. And where we are right now, seventh, seven or eight points, maybe nine points off the top, um, top four. Off the pitch, couldn't be going better. It's it's been a hell of a twelve months for Everton, and long may it continue. Yeah, well, uh, couldn't say it any any better. Endorse that. Yeah. Thanks, lads. Really enjoyed that chat. I hope you've enjoyed listening as well, and and uh, hopefully many more utterly positive pods to come. Um, fingers crossed for Saturday, and we'll be back at the start of next week to review the FA Cup third round.